Everybody, welcome to the Stratosphere Lounge uh, Monday morning, Monday evening um, edition. For some reason didn't see my microphone, so we, those of you watching live got to watch the big restart here and try to live up to our reputation as the worst video show on the internet. Speaking of which, uh, something I've been working on, fiendish, there it is. Uh, working on a lot since um, just earlier today. So I just managed to grab that thing, get it uploaded, uh, and I'll just show it to you. Uh, first, I gotta. Yeah, I know this is uh, this is um, riveting uh, TV here. Why is it doing that? Sorry about the delay here. I don't know why this is doing what it's doing. I gotta give me one second here. Yeah, you don't often see this kind of action uh, in uh, in uh, this kind of uh, video world. All right, I'm just gonna put it that way. So, um, yeah, I've been, uh, for some reason, the, um, the dimensions aren't right. Uh, uh, but um, I do have a kind of a, a cool little animation, historical, more than really interesting. Uh, the, um, I finally got uh, the suit working. So, uh, here's... Um, Here's a scene where uh, I've got these uh, antifids, uh, and uh, they're great cowards. They make a lot of noise, and then as soon as our guys draw their weapons, they just run away without a fight, needless to say. They just make all kinds of love a fuss, and then uh, Zoe and I just simply, you know, get ready, and they run for the hills. And that was a bear. It was impossible, frankly to get that done by using stock animations and recombining them. So here we go for the first time ever. Uh, this is animation from the suit. And I don't know why it's at 720 by 9, 796, but here it is. Anyway, so this is, um, all of this stuff is from the suit. It all needs to be cleaned up. I just threw it together, been working on it all day. Just wanted to get it ready for tonight. So here we go. And they, Draw their weapons. Yeah, frame rate looks off too. Uh, do that one more time. So, when you get, um, but they're, yeah, there's, they're, it's all jumping around and skipping. I don't know what's going on exactly, but uh, it's the right effect anyway. So. You know, I'm, I'm, I came in and did those animations in, I don't know, once I got everything set up, it took me less than an hour to do all eight of those. Um, but there's still a lot that I don't like. Um, there's a, uh, it's not lit 
Bart says it's great animation, but I'm not sure people are going to get it. That's because we don't have the reversals, and we don't have the shot composed or compiled, and we don't have the music, and we don't have the screaming stop, we don't have any of that stuff. So uh, anyway, I, I just got, um, I finally got something out of the suit, so I thought I'd share it, which is usually not a good idea, I'm realizing every day. So we're here on Monday because we missed so many questions uh, uh, during last week, and it's been a, um, a big, big uh, news day. Um, so uh, we're going to um, finish the uh, February 24th questions, and then we'll do the, the new ones, and then we'll get to Facebook if we can. Um, so uh, first one I see here, at least that I haven't seen before, is from uh, Marisha Dark talked about conspiracy theories before, which really should be called conspiracy hypotheses, since a theory is that hypothesis which has the most evidence in favor of it. In particular, we've mentioned chemtrails and the idea of changing people's minds with irrefutable evidence. Just thought you'd be interested to know that there is, in fact, a patent held currently by the U.S. government on such a method. You can even read the whole thing on their official archive page. And then there's a link to um, a method for distributing chemicals at high altitude in order to cut global warming. When the 9-11 happened, it was the first day in uh, forever, and air traffic was down for at least four or five days, if I remember correctly. And climatologists found that the temperature had gone up significantly during that time because the, uh, because the uh, water vapor trails from airplanes, just the natural ones, had... Um, had been gone. So um, since no one was flying, there weren't any <clears throat> condensation trails. So things got warmer. I think there'd be a grand idea to spray water or something into the jet engine's exhaust in order to increase these um, high-level clouds and, and lower the, the global temperature. Uh, but that is a perfectly effective way of doing it. And, um, and the nice thing about it is, unlike, you know, putting something out in space with space dust or whatever, it's just, it's, it's non-permanent. Now, apparently these things include chemicals, oxides of medicals, uh, metals, and so on. So they're talking about, I guess, some degree of reflecting it, but you don't have to really reflect it. Water vapor seems like it would do just fine. But the point with the chemtrails is these devices are not on aircraft, because if they were on aircraft, they'd be spotted by the crew on their um, on their pre-flight inspection and then somebody's got to fill them up and the water the weight of the chemicals has to be explained when a jet takes off its weight and balance has to be very very carefully calculated so just because there's a nozzle available that does this kind of thing is no evidence that it's being done because the nozzle was never the problem the nozzle was the simplest part of the problem it's the um, it's the mechanism, it's the, it's the operational mechanism. Um, so, yeah, there are nozzles on, uh, on crop dusters that I'm sure will do exactly the same job, but you can't, you can't put the chemicals into a crop duster without knowing that the chemicals are in the crop duster. As for the same question, as for the moon landing, here's something you've probably never encountered before, au contraire. Like you, I used to think the very idea was totally ridiculous until I have, meaning the conspiracy, until I happened across this one paper written by a Ukrainian researcher who examined official NASA photos of Apollo 15 and determined that parallax is present in them. 
What does this mean, you might ask? Essentially, this means that you can triangulate the relative positions of objects and their distance based on two photos taken side by side. If an object is more than two kilometers away, then moving the camera a few meters left or right will produce no parallax, meaning the distant object will appear not to move at all. Objects closer than this will appear to move, and objects very close will move a lot. Think of driving a car and the moon doesn't move while the mountains move a little and cars and houses move a lot relative to you. Ultimately, that's what he found, that the mountains should have had five been five to 10 kilometers away were in fact less than 300 meters away and that it was possible to detect an upward curvature as well as if they were set within a studio dome. I'm not suggesting this is definitive proof that we never went then or since, but it raises a lot of red flags in the official narrative. You can read the whole article here to examine this method for yourself. So let's have a look at this. Okay, so first of all, I'm familiar with parallax. A, a parsec is a measure of distance it's 3.26 light years and it's the parallax second. It's, a, it's used the baseline of the Earth's orbit. We're here one time of the year, six months later, we're, we're over here on the other side of our orbit. When you are 3.26 light years away, you will create a one second, one second of arc jump. That's called a par, parsec for parallax, parallax second. And, um, and so I'm familiar with the idea of parallax. I've heard people talk about this before. So just just for a second so one guy 40 years after the fact looks at a couple of photographs and determines that the that the parallax doesn't exactly match and that the mountains are somewhat further away and this is evidence that we not only didn't go to the moon but that we constructed a studio big enough to drive a rover in for, uh, uh, I don't know what they, two hours, three hours, covering, you know, what, scores of kilometers on, on Apollo's 15, 16, and 17, all of which had to be in a vacuum so that the dust didn't get kicked up. We had to put up Saturn V rockets to launch because I saw one with my own eyes, but those were just dummy things. They didn't actually do anything, just went into orbit. The Russians, who we were racing to the moon, apparently said nothing about the fact that we didn't actually go to the moon, or we didn't go to the moon, or we did go to the moon, but we didn't land, and all the rest of this stuff. The, the, the most compelling evidence that the moon landing happened is the Saturn V rocket. And when you see the Saturn V rocket, and I saw one too, I saw a launch, I was 10 or 11, I guess, so I guess I'm in on it as well. Um, so, now against this, there's a research paper written by a guy who says that he's examined the parallax and it, and it doesn't match, that the, the mountains on the moon are closer than they should be. And all of that video of driving across the moon from one place to the mountains and back again in real time, watching this stuff and coming back, that, um, that uh, is, um, is somehow disregarded because a Ukrainian researcher has taken a look at, at two photographs and determined that the parallax doesn't match. So, So how do these, anytime you change the focal point, anytime you change the, the, the focal distance of a lens, you will change the appearance of parallel lines. The, the, I can do it in, in, I can do it in, in Unreal, but don't take my word for it. They covered this in Mythbusters. 
I can take a picture of two parallel lines, like a parking space on the ground. And as I start to move into wider angles, these lines like this, these parallel lines, which are not being repainted in real time, as I start to get the wide angle lens, they'll start to bend like this and shadows will do the same as well. It's all, um, it's all what, it, it, it's a fundamentally understood issue. It is not a, 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 it's not even not a deal breaker. It's just not even, I just, I'll, I'll never understand this. I'll never for the life of me, in the, for the life of me, I will never understand how this happens. Uh, how, how one person who wasn't there can determine that, hey, these shadows are supposed to, wait a minute, the sun is infinitely far away. That means these lines should be parallel and the shadows are diverging or they're converging. Damn it, we didn't go to the moon after all. It's a lighting error. So we so we built a studio the size of, of Texas, made it into a vacuum, which is a bigger engineering feat than going to the moon, but we forgot that the lines are supposed to be parallel. Or we forgot, oh, one of the foam rocks that we put down has the number three or letter B on it or, you know, I don't know what to say anymore about this, against which, against which you have 300,000 people just inside of NASA and, and what, 12 Saturn V launches, including the tests? And, 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 and the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter and the Indian probe recently have imaged have imaged the the landing stages on the moon. I'm not. It's not. A, I'm sorry if I upset you with this while you're tired. It's not that I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. This is what I'm tired of. I'm tired of this. I don't. I don't know what to do anymore. When you see, when you have a, an object in orbit around the moon in 2022, and it looks down on the moon where the Apollo landers are supposed to be, and there they are, and there are the tracks from the footprints, and there's the rover, and here's the science experiments, and plus when you shoot a laser at the moon, something comes back. How, how do you fake that? How, 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 what? Sometimes it's just, it's just not, I just don't get it. So what happened to the rest of these stress for lunch questions? Maybe they're the ones I didn't get to because there's only, let me look at it again. Yeah, okay, so that was the last page. I thought I got them all from the previous one. Let me see. So I got that one. Got that one. Oh, hey, look at that. That's a happy coincidence. I'll take, I don't know if I took Road Riders. Uh, Henry Lumley, however. Um, just, uh, just posted this in the comments, just happy.
So this is from the uh, India's Chandrayaan-2 orbiter and shows the um, canvas structure that we built on the moon to look like a lunar lander for Apollo 11 and 12. First of all, as a new, first off, it's uh, Marish again. Wait, let me let me see something here. Hang on a second. I don't know. This is a question about the um, the the truckers. If I didn't get it before, I'll uh, I'll do it now because I don't remember dealing with this. Uh, Bill, this is from Road Rider. Bill, we talking ourselves into the kill zone by having our own convoy heading to D.C. Before you go any further, I'm worried about this myself for reasons that we'll explore in a minute. What is the purpose of the convoy if mask mandates are being lifted, even for political reasons only? Mask vax mandates? I was a little conflicted until today. Canadian cops equal bad for clearing up static yet peaceful protests. Seattle cops bad for not cleaning up Chaz and Chop, the Antifa zones. Love those law enforcement order officers when they work on our side. Hate those same law enforcement officers when they don't work on our side but support the other side. Do you feel the same in some small way? I feel the same in some large way. Um, the uh, I became very unconflicted the moment I began to see videos coming out of Ottawa, roughing up citizens with cell phone cameras, trampling citizens with their horses' hooves, breaking into cafes just because they were open and once served coffees to truckers, and let's not forget the pastor arrested on the highway and roughed up then. Yeah, let's not forget him. Um, this has come at a convenient time for um, for the uh, for the for, well Trudeau and all the rest of those um, fascists up there. Um, the, I saw an article today that that talks about the unseen wreckage. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are but significant numbers of people who went on that peaceful protest have lost their, their rigs, their trucks no longer belong to them, they're out of work, uh, their families, they're, they're gonna be stress on the family, divorce rate's gonna go up, suicides rate's gonna go up, all of that stuff's gonna go up because they cared enough to, um, to fight for their freedom. And for that, they have been punished and will continue to be punished. I did hear, and I don't know if this is the law of unintended consequences or the, this, this can't be what they intended. But apparently somebody in Canada, a lot of people in Canada are shocked, shocked I say, that um, that large numbers of Canadians, having found out that the government can simply wave a wand and take all of your money, have gone down to the banks and pulled all of their money out in cash. And that individual Canadian banks are saying we're out of cash till today, come back tomorrow or we've heard these guys have some cash. It's just like a, it's like a run on the banks. It's not being reported, which means it must be happening. Um, so yeah, wh wh why would you trust, why would you trust the banks? And Glenn Reynolds made a great point of this in the story he linked. It's like, well, you know, can't blame the banks. Yeah, well, the banks didn't exactly stand up uh, for, the, for the rights of people whose money was being um, illegally and immorally uh, evaporated, right? When Trudeau um, did this business and started emptying the accounts of people who were part of this people people protest, uh, the banks didn't go, wait a minute, hold on now, 
They didn't even go, wait a minute, hold on, now this is going to be bad for banking. Forget the moral point of view. They didn't even, they didn't even um, uh, make the, the, the business point of view. Maybe they didn't see it coming. I, 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 I don't blame, not only do I not blame them, I'm with them 100%. I, I, think, I think money is much safer buried out back than it is in a bank. Um, I, I genuinely believe that, and, uh, and I didn't before, but every day, every day, um, something new happens, and like President Trump said, the difference between conspiracy theory and proven fact is six to 12 months. Um, the crowdsourcing sites, obviously, uh, the, the, the whole thing with Indiegogo and that $10 million went back to the people, but they just, you know, who do they think they are? Anyway, so much for the Canadians now about the American um, truck convoy. I haven't seen much about it in the news, which again means it's probably happening. I have heard that they've, that they've called in more troops and that they put up uh, barriers and barricades around the uh, Capitol building and all the rest of it. Biden's um, uh, State of the Union is tomorrow night. That's going to be entertaining. Um, and uh, and I am very concerned that that they're going to do what they did on January 6th, which is have people in there uh, who look like they're part of the protest going around smashing things. And... Um, and the media will do what the media does. Uh, and and then the rest of the country will become even more convinced about the insurrection caused, you know, by Donald Trump supporters and all the rest of it. Um, you can't... Trucker, oh, trucker Convoy is not going to enter D.C. They've already stated that. Okay. It doesn't seem to be getting a lot of publicity. Um, but... I'm glad to hear they're not going into into DC because uh, they they're just setting themselves up for what happened on January sixth. Um, I think they ought to just I think they ought to just stop delivering stuff. So um, all around the world, you know, we're seeing ongoing, um, the, the every, all around the world, we see governments going to war against their own people. And the more of this I see, the more it changes the way I look at this situation. I used to think it was a Republican versus Democrat thing. Now I think it's the elites versus the regular Americans. And now I think it's the elites versus the world. Um, the, uh, the, the, the mental strain on Russians, both inside and outside of the United States, is very, very high. And um, it's because Vladimir Putin decided to, you know, decided to go to war and, and basically took his own people with him. 
He's one of the richest people in the world. He's, I don't know whether his wealth is measured, but he basically owns all of Russia. So basically he owns the 12th biggest economy in the world. Um, but uh, it still is a question of, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're gonna pull it off. I, I just, I don't think they will. Every day I feel more and more certain that they won't. They have, um, they have, uh, they, well, they've shown their hand. I mean, that's one thing, right? I mean, Australians are locked up for not being vaccinated. They're sent to concentration camps and Canadian truckers have their money stolen from them and are pulled out from underneath their trucks for waving Canadian flags and honking horns means Heil Hitler and, uh, and Joe Biden is legitimate president of the United States with 80 million votes. And uh, the Victrola works just fine. That's why you need to buy three or four Victrolas and, and, um, and all of that is all working just great. And there, and there are people out there still who think that everything is just absolutely fine and, and any evidence to the contrary is a sign and that you are, you know, losing your marbles. Uh, so, I don't know. I, we're gonna get to Russia questions in a minute, I'm sure, but um, I think uh, uh, that that this is the end of, of Putin. I think it's the beginning of the end of him. I'll get to all that in a minute. Um, okay, Marisha Dark. First off, G.K. Masterson keeps trying to let you know they're a woman, but you keep calling him he. Must be because of the GK reminds me of CK Chesterton, or woman. Just forwarding the message. Sorry about that, ma'am. Moving on, whatever happened to the Stratosphere cruise? Last I heard it was on pause due to COVID, then back on, and I hadn't heard anything after. Are there plans for another one or some other meetup? There are no plans for another one. Uh, the guy who organized the, um, the guy who proposed the cruise, the guy who, who took every, all the money, when the COVID happened, he just vanished. And it's cost me a fortune. Uh, and um, uh, we never touched that money. I never saw a dime of it. So, uh, so anyway, mouse is going in now. All right, so Martin Archer's um, thanking Rusha for asking his question. Also, I would say in response to Martin Archer's question about fairness, that fairness is ultimately a noble thing, but the left and right define it differently. To the left, fairness means, means equal. Everyone is the same. To the right, it means proportional. You get what you deserve. It's essentially it's essentially equality of, of, um, uh, of outcome versus uh, equality of um, uh, you, you either have everybody line. look people run at different speeds so either everybody lines up on the same starting line you fire the gun and then some people will go faster than others or everybody has to cross the line at the same time meaning everybody has to have the same result which means that it doesn't matter where you start people or how far back or whatever everybody has to be handicapped to the speed of the slowest runner that's the main reason why socialism is 
is in, is impossible from a thermodynamics point of view, basically. If everybody's going to arrive at the same time, then everybody has to go at the speed of the slowest runner. I don't know what's so hard to understand about that. Um, okay, so let's see. All right, we got another. Uh, let me see what else we got here. Brother Bob, this looks different. Hey, Bill, I'm curious as to why you're not hitting back at some people who've done you wrong. I'm assuming that you're not suing Tony Robbins over the amount of time that's passed since he's ripped off your video. But what about the time you got journalisted in that coordinated hit piece against you? I know that was a painful moment you'd rather leave behind you, and we all appreciate you sharing it with us. But you wouldn't be alone if you wanted to hit back. Is there a way to give us the sources or the means to identify them in this chat alone? You've probably got an army of David's that would happily divide up the task of trawling through social media feeds from those members of the profession formerly known as journalism. Thank you, uh, Brother Bob. That's very kind of you. It has occurred to me that since that happened, uh, I have had essentially no speaking events. Um, I did watch every person in America get a chance to speak on stage at uh, CPAC 2022, except for me and another guy I know who works at the 7-Eleven. I don't know if those two things are related, but I think about it quite a lot. It's a combination of two things. First of them is Media Matters basically looking at the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours a video that is out there of me just speaking off the top of my head and finding one section of one interview that I did with Stefan Molnieu talking about the bell curve and out of the out of the hundreds of hours of stuff that I've said including tens of hours that go directly against this they took segments of this sent it to the campaign of the candidate running for Republican governor of Illinois but the reason it became a news story was because that campaign openly disavowed me about an hour before the fundraiser. That's why it was a news story. It was a news story because it was used against her politically. And I was the means of proving that she's a racist and, and she was determined not to let that happen. So instead of coming out and saying, like some other people have said, um, we, we, know you, we know your work. It's just ridiculous. Here, this person was sold to me as a fighter, somebody who's going to stand up for principles. That's why I went there for free. And, um, and so when they said, oh, we, 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 we want nothing to do with this horrible, horrible, horrible racist that we accidentally invited to come up and, uh, and uh, help us um, raise money, uh, that's what made it news. wasn't It wasn't the Media Matters accusation. They make those accusations thirty times a day against everybody. It was the fact that a that a Republican candidate for governor of Illinois decided to um, believe what some unknown George Soros employee said 
rather than everything that I've basically said during my entire career. That was nice of her. Um, so, you know, is it too late to do anything about that? I think so. If I were able to get evidence or witness any kind of hard evidence that basically said that, oh, we didn't invite you because of this, then I would, um, then I would, uh, think about it. Uh, and of course the problem with me suing Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins has considerably more money for an, for a, a, a long uh, duration legal uh, war than I do. So um, so there you go. Now, Quibo uh, uh, 2 says the only hope for Bill Little is to go on Doomcox and Neurotics live stream. They're more effective. I have supposed to be, last I heard from him, recording a, a show with Doomcock tomorrow at, uh, I think, 4 o'clock Pacific time. Um, if that's, uh, if it's still on, we'll find out. I've sent emails to Gary two or three times uh, saying, hey, there's some interesting stuff to talk about at Neurotic. I haven't heard back from him, so I'm just going to assume that's another person uh, who is, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is there, is there a, you know, reluctance based on that? Maybe. Just becoming irrelevant? Maybe. Um, but in any event, uh, Doomcock, I will say, despite the fact that we haven't been trying to do it for the longest time, has been extremely enthusiastic and friendly. And, um, and uh, so we'll see. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, Dave Olson. Hey, Dave. Hi, Bill. The case for gun control is always weak, but Putin has, but has Putin just completely killed it? I mean, seriously, would Putin have even tried to invade Ukraine if there was a rifle behind every blade of glass, grass, like some other countries I could mention? No. But if you really want to know what would have stopped Vladimir Putin from going into the Ukraine, I've found out since we did the last Stratosphere Lounge that at some point during his presidency, apparently, I've heard it reported in two different places, Donald Trump said to Vladimir Putin, if you invade in, if you invade the Ukraine, I'm going to bomb Moscow. And if you want to know why nothing happened uh, in terms of foreign um, adventurism while Donald Trump was president, it was because he said things like that, you know, irresponsible, crazy, lunatic uh, things like, if you bomb Ukraine, um, if you invade Ukraine, I'm going to bomb Moscow. Now, what does that mean? That means that Putin does what everybody else does. He says he can't mean it, right? It's a bluff, right? Really? How do you know he can't mean it? It complicates um, his firing solution enormously. It enormously complicates his firing solution because I didn't think this invasion would happen. Steve and Scott didn't think this invasion would happen because I thought you had to be insane for this invasion to happen. And I'm, signs are starting to point to the fact that that's exactly correct, that, that Putin has really lost his, um, lost his mind. And not just because of the action that people who've known him from his first term have said that there's something really wrong with him. But 
Putin can't know that Donald Trump is bluffing. He can't know. And this is why um, this is why these things work. When Ronald, the, they gave us back the Iranian hostages after 444 days because they believed Ronald Reagan um, was as good as his word. And a few months into his presidency, the uh, the Air Traffic Controllers Union, PATCO, said we're going on strike. Reagan said it is not, it is illegal for a government agency union, public sector union, to go on strike. And you know that. You know that when you signed. He said, well, we're going on strike anyway. And Reagan said, well, if you go on strike, you're fired. So they went on strike and they were fired. He shut down the nation's commercial traffic, air traffic system, because he said he would. And after that, Every single person in the world, especially the, the Soviets, looked at Ronald Reagan and said, if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. You get that same kind of thing from, from Donald Trump. Um, and, uh, and, you know, was it Donald Trump's second day in office, first day in office? First thing he does is, is drops a hyperbaric bomb, the, the, the most powerful non-nuclear weapon we have in the inventory, right on ISIS's head, and ISIS disappeared after that. I remember a couple of months after that, there was a little tiny island in the middle of a river, and apparently all of the people left in ISIS were on that island, with the exception of somebody who went to get coffee or whatever, and next thing you know, boom, 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 boom. So if he says to um, Putin, you go into Russia, you go into Ukraine, and I'm going to bomb Moscow, there's a chance that he might do it, and that is what keeps Vladimir Putin from going into Ukraine. Um, so... Uh, as far as the gun control thing goes, Dave, um, there's an awful lot of uh, liberals out there now who are who are filled with um, admiration for those plucky Ukrainians grabbing a rifle. I've heard Miss Ukraine, the beauty contestant uh, winner, is out there with a rifle now, and and and. Everybody is out there now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it, it looks great. And do they see the contradiction? Probably not. They probably don't see the contradiction. They probably think, well, if there was ever an invasion of the United States or military action against the United States, then you could have, a, then having a, 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 a so-called assault rifle would make sense. What they don't realize is having the assault rifles is why the invasion isn't there. Cause and effect is very, very, very um, poorly understood by progressives. Either that or it's extremely well understood and they just don't care. But um, the reason that we, that we aren't invaded is because every because it, look, it's, it's ridiculous to even talk about it, but if there was an actual invasion of this country, the U.S. Army wouldn't get a chance to fight them. By the time the army got to the scene, it'd be over. People just be in pickup trucks with their ARs, and I'd be one of them, and, and, and it would be over. So it doesn't happen. This is how deterrence works. This is how deterrence works. When the President of the United States says, if you do this horrible thing, and you know it's a horrible thing, if you do this horrible thing, then I'm going to do this horrible thing to you. If that had happened, then he wouldn't be in. But when you've got a president who said, well, if it was a minor border encouraging problem, sure, we wouldn't really react too much to that. So now he's threatening nuclear weapons. Listen, I am so 
tired of having people talk about how afraid they are of Russia and China. Russia and China need to be afraid of us. We spend more money on defense. We spend half of Russia's total GDP on defense every single year. Every single year. We have 11 carrier strike groups. And we have the world's largest and most powerful air force. And unlike the Russian air force, ours actually works. Same for the Navy and the same for our soldiers. Th this idea that, that, that we're supposed to be intimidated by this guy. Yeah, 300, 400 nuclear weapons is, is definitely something that you don't want to have uh, ruin your Monday. But they're not the only ones with those weapons. And by the way, for those people who were worried about World War III, you cannot just, this goes for the same thing with Trump, and it's even true for Putin. Putin could order a nuclear strike on the United States and he'd be, he'd be arrested and put into an insane asylum. Nobody follows those orders. The only, the only way that the Russians would ever nuke this country would be if we had major invasion of their territory or we'd launch a nuclear attack on them as well. So the reason I don't fear a nuclear war with Russia is because on two occasions in the past during the Cold War, when things were, when, when the Russians in question were actually either under American attack or who thought they were under American attack, when they were under attack, they still didn't launch. So that's, nuclear, nuclear weapons are the end of full-scale warfare. That's what they've done for 70, 80 years now. And there's going to be a lot more nuclear weapons now that we didn't honor our commitment. Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons in exchange for an ironclad guarantee from the United States to protect them in the event of a Russian invasion if they give up their weapons. And they did. And then we didn't. So now everybody in the world is looking at this and thinking, well, okay then. Thanks, Joe. Germany is rearming. They're going to get a nuclear program if they don't have one already. And uh, France has one already. Britain, too. Japan will have nuclear weapons. And and frankly, I, I think I don't think there's any question that Poland will have nuclear weapons. We'll probably see Sweden and Finland with nuclear weapons. We'll see we'll see all of these things because we couldn't live up to our word. I'm just had enough of this shame, frankly. I've had enough of it. Had enough of Afghans looking to us and saying, You promised us this. Yes, we did. Well, where, where, where are you? Well, we decided we changed our mind. Um, when, when, a, when a country breaks a promise that it's made publicly, that is just the largest possible scale um, uh, evidence of the broken windows policy. When when Giuliani went in to clean up New York, and he did, Giuliani and Bill Braxton, they said they had what's called the broken windows policy. If you drive through a neighborhood and the windows are broken, that is an, a billboard saying there is no law enforcement here. Do whatever you want to. Same thing for people peeing into the side of a building. There is no law here. Do whatever you want to. So they didn't just go after the big guys. They went after people who were who were basically urinating against the building, and they went after people who were smashing windows, and they went after people who were graffitiing the trains. And so soon, very quickly, became clear that no, there's actual law in this area, and and it, so it stopped. And when 
America makes a promise like that, then breaks it, then you've basically just said the the there is no law here. A lot of people are, are you know, it's, it's like, oh, you know, we're not the world's policemen and so on. If we're not, then somebody else will be. I'd love to tell you it would be nice if we could just walk away from this and, and just have the vacuum remain a vacuum. I don't enjoy this. I don't like seeing our guys over there. I'm tired of all of it. I really am. I'm tired of all these overseas commitments. But to say, well, it's not our problem. If it's if 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 we don't we are coming out of 70 years of of world peace as a result of other nations fearing and respecting this country. And now they don't do either. And so the world will get a lot more dangerous and we don't we don't get to excuse ourselves from things that happen in the world. If if Vladimir Putin continues into the Baltic states and if he continues into uh, Moldova and and then you know and surrounds Poland and all the rest of it then it's our problem anytime somebody's breaking the law it's our problem and I know nobody likes that I don't like it either but this is the way that the world works. And if it's not going to be our problem and we decide we're going to just pack up our bags and go home, okay. That will mean we'll no longer have that responsibility and that and that burden. And that also means somebody else will take it up. Someone else will take it up. So, we'll see. Just saying, John uh, Durham did not commit suicide. Yeah. And that's something. Political murder has reached a point now where we, it's a joke. It's like a meme where everybody knows Arkansas, right? Uh, that's how bad things have gotten. It's like, you know. Uh, I have uh, people saying, no, it's not true about the world's policemen. But it, it is. Um, there is uh, nature abhors a, back, a, a, a vacuum, and, and so does politics. In fact, that's why we're in this trouble because we've walked away from the pop culture. We've just plain walked away from it. So there's this vacuum there and the left, which we walked away from, just filled the vacuum. Um, so uh, I'm sure we're going to find out what the world looks like when, uh, when we um, pull ourselves back into, uh, into an isolationist stance. And that's true, we will not have foreign wars for, for quite a while. But then what happens uh, after that? I don't know. Maybe this will be an exception to history. I, I'm inclined to doubt it. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, I wish it weren't true. There's a lot of things I wish. In fact, virtually everything now I wish weren't true. 
every time I go to bed. I wish I was wrong about everything. All right, going to the ones that were posted for today's Monday Night Show. Uh, Bryson Beckman, my question is regarding the colonies, a science fiction project that I've got on hold while I do this other thing. You mentioned a while back that you'd build a map of the different star systems that the show would be set in and had named most of the big stuff. You also mentioned that you would like it if members could flesh out individual planets, companies, and so on. Would it be possible for you to post that big map somewhere so members could get their hands on it and start doing some world building, or is it still too early to make that feasible? It's still too early, um, uh, Brayson. The, the legal exposure is so enormous this white hasn't been done before i'm really determined to try to find a way around it but honestly there's no way that this can proceed without without a contract existing that doesn't exist yet that basically says you agree that in exchange for this this is now a work for hire and um uh it's if, if people start doing all this work and we use this stuff, then they have a legitimate claim to to a lawsuit. And, and I don't even know if it's possible to make a uh, disclaimer to do this. I'm thinking it probably is, but I'm not 100% sure. But in any event, we certainly don't have one yet. And, um, and I'm not going not gonna to get that started until... Um, until we get the thing funded or in some danger of being funded. Roadrider again. Uh, Tammy Bruce once or twice subbed in for an absence. Uh, you or Steve Green on the old trifecta shows. I think Dana lashed it as well. Zoe has also subbed recently. One, would you ever consider a guest which the three of you could ask questions and get some fresh takes? Yeah, four boxes, but so what? Can you go into the mechanics roadblocks of getting a guest? Do you have to pay them to appear, or can they promote their own website or, or show payment or show as payment in kind? Dr. John Campbell on COVID would be my first pick, but a return of Tammy Bruce would be informative too, or is there just not enough time to arrange something like this? It's kind of all of those together, uh, Road Rider. Um, Trifecta is not really an interview show. Um, It's very difficult to do a, three people interviewing one person is just a, uh, it's a turkey shoot. And, and everybody's questions are stepping on everybody else's and it's just, it's just not something that I think would be a, a good thing. Now, interviewing people one-on-one, -on -one, I was hoping to interview um, Doomcock and I told him I wanted to do it like in character. Why did you decide to become uh, the future ruler of the earth and all the rest of it? I don't think that's what's going to happen tomorrow, if anything happens tomorrow. Uh, you're, you don't generally pay people for this kind of thing, especially for remote uh, things where somebody calls in on a webcam or something. Um, but uh, I haven't seen Tammy since we left PJTV, and that would be 2014, I think. Uh, she's... Um, you know, she's got uh, a, a, a lot of audience and um, and there's a number of people that I would like to interview, um, but I've done, a, a, I did a Fox interview 
two, three days ago for Fox Business on the situation in Russia. They said they're going to turn it into two shows. These are the same guys that did, that, that did um, American Built, the two seasons of American Built on um, Fox Business, and I am in two or three of each season's shows. So, um, yeah, I did that for, for free, too. Uh, but they... We, I remember we shot it. I think we probably shot it Friday, something like that. Um, and uh, he said that I'd given him so much good stuff, he wants to turn it into two shows. I don't know if they've already premiered on Fox Business. If they haven't, they better get going because um, these kind of news uh, ages rapidly. So we'll see. Uh, Henry Lumley. Hi, Henry, and thanks again for keeping things organized there. Bill, did you see that Zelensky is trying to get Ukraine to become a member of the EU? This seems like a disaster to me. It's the same loss of sovereignty to join the EU as to just surrender to Putin. This feels like the tentacle of World Economic Forum to me if Ukraine really does join the EU, not to jump off into wild speculation. Also, because he's a total badass, Elon Musk sent a full shipment of Starlink ground stations to Ukraine to reconnect the country to the Internet after the Russians went after their Internet communications. Uh, when um, when enemy troops are eight miles down the road from my capital and membership in the EU would mean that a continuing attack on my country would mean a continuing attack on the EU, then I'm going to apply for EU membership and I'll deal with the bureaucrats after I deal with the tanks. Um, I think, I actually think it's, uh, I, I think he's doing everything he can. And I don't think he's, uh, he's obviously doing it out of desperation, but he doesn't look desperate. I heard a much more compelling case that basically said that, uh, and again, it was from Ukraine. Um, the Ukrainians are arguing that, that, that Russia uh, has no legitimate place on the Security Council that when the Security Council was formed, the Security Council has the ability to essentially block anything that the General Assembly does. At the end of World War II, the Security Council was formed and consisted of uh, United States, Britain, France, Soviet Union, China, I think. I think those five. Um, but the Ukrainians' point, and I never thought about it until today, is, um, is that they said, well, the USSR, the Soviet Union was included, but not Russia, because the Soviet Union wasn't just Russia. It was Russia plus whatever many SSRs. They had 20-something, 20 22, 17, something like that. It's this enormous block of nations. That's what got on the Security Council. And since Russia is no longer the Soviet Union, not only in name, but not, only, but not in influence, not in territory, not in nothing, then since the Soviet Union doesn't exist, if you want to vote Russia into the Security Council, that's fine, but really... Um, uh, it's not, it, it doesn't have a place there. Again, this is an interesting argument and, and nothing I think is going to come of it, but it's another example of the Ukrainians trying to, to get themselves into an actual alliance, although why they'd be trying to get into an alliance with, uh, with us is beyond me at this point. I really haven't got the faintest idea why they would do that. Um, the... Uh, If a NATO country is attacked, I'm assuming, 
again, everything I used to know is no longer relevant to, that was just an educated guess. Uh, but if a NATO country, if, if Putin were to, were to mop up in Ukraine and then go into Poland, you'd like to think that NATO would respond to that militarily. That's what you would like to think. But I'm not 100% sure that would happen. Um, because Vlad would threaten nuclear war and everybody would, would curl up into a ball and, uh, and, um, and back down the same way we did 70 years ago. People in living memory, there are not many of them now, but there are people who live to see it who are alive today. Uh, just watch this endless, endless, endless weakness on the part of people in the West who have a lot to lose and who are incapable of learning the lessons of history. They just don't want to face it. They just, they just want it to go away. So if we had done something in 2008, which is what I was screaming to do, um, then, then, then Vladimir Putin wouldn't have been able to do what he did in Georgia and he would have paid the price for it. And then, uh, then there wouldn't have been the annexation of the Crimea and then there wouldn't have been the invasion of Ukraine in 2014. You know, people are saying he's crazy to do this. Why, what makes you say that? Why, why would he think it would be any different this time? He's already gobbled up territory three times in the last uh, 12 years, 10, 14 years. He's gotten away with it every time. Why, why would he think this would be different? And people are just mystified and amazed that, um, that, this, is, that this happened. If you're, if you're Vladimir Putin and you want the Ukraine back, this is like, it's like a billboard that says attack now. He can read our polls as well as I can read our polls and he knows that in November, Republicans are gonna come back with an enormous win and conceivably a veto-proof majority in both houses, which means that his ability to get away with what he wants to get away with ends in um, maybe November, but certainly January. So, so he's got, um, He's got uh, a clock ticking, and he and he just thought he would do it. And plus, look, he's Putin is is suffering from the same thing that, um, needless to say, that Hitler and Stalin suffered from. But it's the same thing that that um, Saddam Hussein suffered from, and and all the rest of these uh, these people. When you have absolute power, and and all of that power is distributed through cronyism, you're surrounded by cronies, and cronies never tell you you're wrong, ever. They never tell you wrong. They never. They never argue with you. They never. They never disagree. They never. Um, they never state the risks. They just nod and, and and tell you you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He may in fact have lost his mind. He looks different. He looks like he's put on weight. He's certainly not as agile as he was before. But I think what's happened is just 20 years of of being surrounded by people telling him he's right. And the miscalculations are are shocking. He bet the farm on on the Ukrainian president, who was a former comedian, running. Just running. He was going to threaten the capital. The president was going to run. The, the Ukrainian people would just roll over, be done in four days. 
And then the next thing you know, this guy doesn't run. And now he's wearing fatigues. And then you find out three or four days into this that the United States basically says, um, hey, we'll get you out of here. We're not going to defend your country like we promised you we would when we when we um, or help you defend your country like we promised we would when you gave up your nuclear weapons. But we will provide a helicopter for you to um, escape into uh, shame and ignominy. And, and when a guy like that replies, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. Now you're watching it. You're watching it happen. The World War II just repeating itself. There's so many things that are so just one to one correlations. The Russians had a deal with Hitler so that so Hitler could get away with his invasions. The Russians now have a deal with China so that they know China's not going to intervene. You've got all of the dynamics. You've got all of this loss of territory without doing anything. Now you've got a major invasion without doing anything. And they also have a Churchillian kind of thing now where you watch one individual person change the course of history. I'm not talking about Vladimir Putin. I'm talking about the Ukrainian president who basically has inspired his entire people. And that is a cycle. Once that starts, he he gives he he encourages people. He gives them um, hope and and puts some fight into them by saying, "I'm not leaving. I'm staying here." So then the next thing you know, students and and Miss and beauty contestant uh, winners are are grabbing rifles and heading out into the street. And now Putin's not facing an army of twenty thousand. Now he's facing thirty, forty million people, and it's. It's just, it is such a miscalculation. And, and he, he just, he, look, he's been, he's been talking about this for the longest time. <sighs> of course he invaded Ukraine. Why wouldn't he? What, what possibly, what possibly would make people think that he would pay a price for this? based on what's happened in the last um, what, 14, 15 years. Well, everybody's amazed, mystified. I'm, I'm, I didn't think he'd do it, but I'm not surprised. Uh, I didn't think he'd do it because, well, he's, uh, He's lived in a steel bubble for 20 years and gets everything he wants all the time. And whether you're uh, a movie star or um, a, a dictator of a nuclear armed country, the results are the same. When people tell you what you want to believe and only that, then that's what you become. You know, that's what you become. I remember when Michael Jackson was uh, going through what he was going through, and rightfully so. I mean, he earned it. But I remember not long before he died, I looked at this situation. And I said, you know, that's the, the the biggest tragedy here is, well, aside from you know the child molestation. But Michael Jackson is a guy that doesn't have any friends. That's kind of sad. I mean, just look at look at what he does or did, and you realize. This guy doesn't have a friend in the world because a real friend would simply tell him that he's got to stop doing this. And um, and uh, and nobody's nobody's telling Vladimir Putin he's got to stop doing this. Now these sanctions are severe, and who's going to pay for this? Is Putin going to pay for these sanctions? No. He's one of the richest guys in the world. He owns the entire country. 
he basically owns the oil revenue from the country. So who's going to pay for this? Well, my mom and my daughter who live over there are going to pay for this. That's who. The price of food is going up. The price of everything is going up. Not only can they, they can't leave their country, they can't go on vacations, can't do any of that stuff, and that's just the beginning of it. The psychological impact on them is immeasurable. And um, the uh, there's I, when I first heard it, I thought possible, maybe even likely, but also wishful thinking, so be careful. But now there's more evidence showing up to say that the troops that the Russian troops that, that were part of this invasion didn't know they were going to Ukraine. I've heard from two or three different independent cases now where Russian soldiers were told that they're going to do, you know, military exercises in the Crimea. Think about that. I mean, just just think about that. Um, you're, you're in a truck or you're on a plane or something, and, and you're going for training in the Crimea, and the next thing you know, you're like, no, this is the Ukrainian border, and when, when we go in there, you're going to start getting shot at. And then, um, and then they're, they're shooting at, at women and old ladies, and the morale imbalance is so lopsided. And by the way, the, you know, Russia, to say Russia's underperforming is uh, to gild the lily a little bit, you know. Um, it's, I, I mean, there's just, it's like you can look at these at these things and just look at them as, as morale things. It's like Churchill makes a statement, he does this, he does this, he's walking through the wreckage. This is what leadership looks like. And, and to think that after nearly a week, Russia does not have air superiority or air supremacy over Ukraine is, is shocking even for me, and I've always been a big believer that, that it's easy to talk about how powerful you are, but we don't know if your jets work until we find out if your jets work. And you know, they, they've got the new felon, which is the raptor killer. It's like, okay, well, that's your, that's what the pamphlet says it is. How does it actually perform in the world? Because we know how the F-22 performs and it's unmatched. It's simply unmatched by anything. Oh, well, our, our plane's better, is it? Maybe it is, but it doesn't, um, we don't know that it is. And, um, and Fiery Waco says, doesn't Ukraine have missiles? Ukraine does have missiles. In fact, on day two or three, they launched a missile attack on Russian air bases and took out a number of attack airplanes, but it was on, they launched an attack on Russian soil. Um, that is, uh, that is encouraging if you're a Ukrainian, you know? Um, and people have pointed out that the uh, AN-225 is the largest airplane ever built. I, I don't know if the Strato um, launch aircraft has got a bigger wingspan or something, but the AN-225 is a gigantic airplane. I did not know they only made one of them. I did not know that until today. Uh, I thought they had you know, roughly as many as we had C-5 galaxies, but apparently it's just the one that carried the Russian shuttle Buran on its back, and it was um, stationed somewhere nearby and um and it's been destroyed in the fighting i have heard that um that at least two il-76s have been shot down that's approximately uh, 727 and both of them filled with crack paratroops you know 
this is not this is not overwhelming now obviously he's not fighting as hard as he could if he were fighting nato but still you can't you know I'm, you're seeing these ukrainian drones taking out russian um uh radar stations uh, i saw a look at the casualties i think i don't know if it's casualties or killed i think it's killed as of now there's something like 4300 russian soldiers killed that's our total losses in Iraq over what, eight years, 12 years, something like that. I mean, I, I really am beginning to think on some level as every day that goes by, I really think that what's happening is um, we have made it look easy militarily. You know, militarily, we, the United States makes it look easy, which is like, yeah, okay, no worries. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I like to think that there's there's evidence that um, all this uh, uh, Lil Zarino says all this does is proving that Russia was never the threat. Maybe, um, but you'd have a hard time convincing Ukrainians that they were never the threat, or the Hungarians, or the Czechs, or the Poles, or the South Vietnamese, or the South Koreans, uh, or the Afghans, for that matter. Um, the uh, there, I, I, I just sometimes run up against the, the, the wall of disbelief, you know, it's just the wall of disbelief that people cannot see something this obvious because they don't want to, they don't want to, they're they don't want to when vladimir putin says if you try and stop us you'll be met with uh, consequences that you've never experienced in your history my response is well if you do this you'll be met with consequences like you've never dealt with in your history too so we're both going to be um, a real mess if you do this vlad then donald trump says you go into ukraine i'll bomb, I'll bomb moscow so when Donald Trump was president, he didn't bomb Moscow. And by the way, all the left is saying that Americans are rooting for the Russians, and you know they're just trying to turn this whole thing into this. I, 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 I. Uh, thank you, Dave Big Booty. Uh, the. the If, if if Donald Trump was a Russian puppet, then why did they not do all these things when the puppet was in power? If Joe Biden is Mr. Tough Guy, Steely-Eyed Missile Man who's going to stand up to Putin, then why didn't Putin invade Ukraine while his puppet was in power? I'm waiting, just, just, I'm just waiting for that answer. Um, uh, I really am. I just, what's the point of having a puppet president if you if you don't do anything with him, and you wait until Joe Biden, who Russia's afraid to go toe to toe with, just ask Joe Biden. Uh, Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, approved the sale of some significant percentage, 
might have been 10% or 50%, some enormous percentage of, of American uranium stockpiles to Russia. It was blocked, and then somebody in Russia played, paid Bill Clinton $100,000 to come and speak for an hour, and then it was unblocked. And so they took a fair amount of, of resources um, because of Hillary Clinton. And 21% uh, is that it? We gave, we sold, first of all, why we're selling uranium to anybody is beyond me. But why we're, why we're selling it to Russia or China is a mystery. But yeah, so, you know, if you think about it, it's a pretty good deal. $100,000 for 21% of the uranium supplies that the United States has. It's, it's a pretty, pretty good deal. Uh, uh, Tiki Rocket says Trump's biggest mistake was thinking that support of Republican voters meant that he had the support of Republican politicians. Amen to that. And it also, his, his, his other big mistake was... I think that that he didn't have any idea how deep this thing went because the only solution to this ever, if, if a Republican ever wins the presidency again, we'll find out, I think, in November. I think, the, I think this November the landslide is going to be so gigantic we can actually get serious election reform done if we, if, well, of course, that would be Republican politicians, so let's, let's say. Um, David Booty says Australians are begging Putin to invade them next so they can get their guns back. These are not, you know, you say to the left, um, we, we need gun control. Well, they gave up all their guns in Australia. Now they're in concentration camps. Yeah, those two things aren't related. But I don't think, I don't think um, Donald Trump had any idea how deep this thing is. Because if he had an idea... Look, if it were me, if I got elected president of the United States, I'm, I'm going to go into Washington and I'm going to fire everybody. Everybody is going to go. All the bureaucrats are going to go. All the intelligence services are going to go. They're just going to go. Now, you need them. You need, a, you need an intelligence service. And you need, uh, a, you need a counter... Um, terrorist counter-espionage service like the FBI. Those are essential requirements for a country. But I, um, I think that the brands are irreverently damaged. So here's what I would do. I would go to Washington. This is a thumbnail. Basically what I would do is, and I'm applying this to the FBI and to the CIA and the NSA and the bureaucracy and all that stuff. I would go in and I would fire everybody above the rank of colonel. And if that didn't do it, I would make it above the rank of major. But I would fire every, I'd fire every general. And I mean by that, I'd fire the director of the FBI and all of his top people. I'd fire the entire joint chiefs. I'd cashier all of them. I would cashier every general and every general officer Admirals all of them, judges. I just, I cashier them. Uh, Helio 76 said, 1776 said, put the chiefs in charge. You could do much worse than that, but at the very least, at the very least, you put, you put people in charge who have already done the job, right? 
I don't see how you can become the, sec uh, the, uh, the, the chief of naval operations if you haven't commanded a warship within limiting memory, you know. I would just, I just, in fact, I'll tell you something too. I'd, I'd, I'd get rid of the Pentagon and I'd turn it into a, into a multi-level ice skating rink. That's what I would do. I would, I would just, because, because the Pentagon is the problem. The, the, the Pentagon is the problem. Why do you need the Pentagon? Well, so that everything can be centralized. Okay, so there are going to be people, all of them together, inside this fortress, right? Yep. And promotion is going to be based on what somebody inside this fortress says about somebody else inside this fortress. That's right. Doesn't that mean now that this fortress is going to be isolated from the rest of the world in the same way that Putin is isolated from the rest of the world, right? Isn't that, isn't that what it means? Why do we need everybody in the same place? Shouldn't we be having meetings of people who are dispersed out throughout the entire world? Shouldn't we have meetings in, in the, wh why don't we have a meeting in, um, in the mess hall and in, um, on board the USS Pasadena? Why don't we do that? That'll give us a chance to talk to some of the sailors, see what some of the problems are. Just, why don't we do that? And then we'll have another one at, uh, at, at Fort Knox, and we'll talk to those people. And then we'll have another one at Kadena Air Force Base. That's where we're going to meet. We're all going to meet there, and we're not going to be in this headquarters anymore. And then, and then, goodbye. Because it's a priesthood, and it's been a priesthood essentially since there's been a Pentagon. The, the John Boyd doing what he did back in the 60s, can't believe the kind of things that that go on in that building uh, the bradley fighting vehicle you know the generals and the military people in charge of that program had a had a the, for those of you not familiar the bradley is a it's become certainly better than it was when they tried to unload it on us um the bradley fighting vehicle was uh, a, a, our new armored personnel carrier back in the day back in the 80s had a decent gun on it for a change and was supposed to have pretty good, pretty good uh, specs. But as it turns out, it did have a bit of a problem, and that is that it would burst into flames when it got hit by something, uh, which is generally speaking not uh, advantageous quality in, in a vehicle that's moving your soldiers into battle because occasionally people will shoot at, at this. So when the Pentagon became aware of this and they were doing the tests that they needed to get this thing through approval and start deploying them into the U.S. Army. They knew that they had a real problem with the armor protection and the design and that if you hit them with a RPG they would explode. And so when they did the tests, I'm not making this up, when they did the tests they fired the RPGs at the at the Bradley and they didn't explode because the gasoline tanks were filled with water. And the RPGs that they were using were RPGs that either came from Czechoslovakia or Poland or some someplace. But their warhead was something like 30% of, of what the Russian warheads did. So they, so they basically shot super weak RPGs at a vehicle that had water in its gas tanks. And that was the test 
And that was going to go out and, and people like you and me and your brothers and fathers and sons and daughters, all of them, all of them uh, went up against this. Uh, well, Cody MacArthur said, said it's a lie. I, I, I didn't get it from the Pentagon Wars. I've heard it from three different sources from three different people who were, neither one of them were writing about that specifically. But if you're, if you're saying it's false, I'm certainly willing to listen to, um, to, to what it is. I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about um, who wrote the book, by the way. Was that was that Pierce Bray? Did he write that? Look, I'd love to be wrong about this. It would make me happy to be wrong about this. It would be another day when I'm just happy to be wrong of, like about everything. Who wrote the book? Because I read about it in the Boyd book. Cody MacArthur. Uh, The FAA let the manufacturers of airplanes do their own testing. Yeah. Um, Colonel Sparks. Colonel James Burton, United States Air Force. Uh, James Burton. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, have, I have heard it from a couple different sources, but in any event, whatever whether it was done intentionally or not, or whether it even happened or not, the, the, um, now CP Tom says, no, it's not wrong. I don't know. Let me just put it this way. Uh, read that water was used intentionally to prevent a fire so they could more accurately see and measure the penetration points. That would be a good argument, but it might also be exactly what you would say if you got caught doing it. I don't know. I don't know. I do know enough about procurement to know that, that, that you know, just, just the F-35, you, you, um, when you're, when you're buying something on cost plus, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it, it, what do you say about that? What's it going to cost? What's going to cost a billion dollars each? Okay, I guess we'll take it. Be nice if there was competition, but there isn't, so it's a billion dollars each. All right. It's a cost-plus contract, though. Sure, what does that mean? Well, that means that, that you pay us a billion dollars each, but if there are overruns or delays, and it ends up costing us another $400 million, then you have to owe us $1,400,000,000. And, 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 and so we get paid this, but if things go long... Or if things run over, then we get that money, and then um, and then uh, somebody like me says, "Doesn't that incentivize you to take as long as possible and make as many mistakes as you can?" I mean, if for no other reason than just for the payroll, right? I mean, it, it, what part of this am I misunderstanding? It's like saying somebody's going to come over. I'm going to hire a contractor to build a, another room uh, extension on my house. And he makes a cost plus deal and he says it's going to cost $20,000, but it's also going to cost him $5,000 a week in labor. So if he goes long, then you owe him another $10,000 for every two weeks. And then, and, 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 you know, what do you, um, what you subsidize, you get more of and what you reward, you get more of. And this is why Putin's in Ukraine. Um, the system is 
unbelievably, unbelievably corrupt. And maybe all systems are, I don't know. Maybe this whole thing's just a wake-up call. I don't know. I think the entire I think the entire world leadership has gone to war with the people, and I think the people are going to win. I think the people are going to win this this war. Um, I really do. I Everywhere I look, I just see people wandering around in amazement because all of this stuff is coming to the surface now. Oh, and by the way, by the way, we have now reached... I almost said a new low, but of course, just wait another week or so, then you'll get a new a new low. I think it was FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, that's something like that. Recently, like within the last day or two, put out a, a bulletin for people who might be worried about nuclear war with Russia. And in this bulletin, they said that if you're forced to go into a fallout shelter, essentially, proceed down into the fallout shelter, but make sure that you maintain your social distance and make sure you wear a mask while you're down there in the fallout shelter. Because while there's a nuclear war going on overhead, you can't forget about the fact that COVID is, um, is, is, a, is a real issue. Um, hang on, Cody. Hang on a second. I'll send you a private message here if I can. Hear me in a second. There you go. Um, so, uh, what do you say about that? What do you say? What do you say about about see if this kind of thing were to come from um, a professor at you know Berkeley, it would be hilarious. But it's not coming from a professor at Berkeley. It's coming from the agency that's responsible for emergencies in this country. They are advising Americans not to forget to maintain their six foot social distancing when you go down into the fallout shelter. John Kerry, the Democratic Party's nominee for president of the United States in 2004, said that this major problem with the invasion of the Ukraine is what it's going to do to global warming. You know, wars uh, produce an awful lot of um, greenhouse gases. And we don't want to take our eyes off of the main problem, which is climate change. Just, you know, ignoring the fact that it's the biggest military operation since World War II in Europe. Main thing is to keep our eye on the on the main prize, which is number one: maintain your social distancing down there in the nuclear bomb shelter. Uh, number two: um, make sure that uh, that that we do everything we can to make it clear to Vladimir Putin that that we especially want him to be um, extra careful about about not admitting any carbon that's not absolutely necessary. And and number three. Um, remember that 
despite the fact that Ukraine is uh, is fighting for its life, it's the it's the trans community that are the ones who we must um, that we must keep in our minds in, in terms of the people who need defending the most. I just wanna. Yeah, I, I don't want anything bad to happen to those people. I just want to leave them. I want to leave them and go someplace where they can't get to me. Uh, but, nope. Nope. Somebody, I, I, I imagine seriously, took, pointed to a picture of Russian troops and said um, uh, that... They, 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 they look at look at the lack of diversity. Helios, uh, sometimes I get messages in the comment section, and um, and for those of you, the vast majority of the people who are watching this have no idea what I'm talking about. And usually I respond to them openly, but in this case, I'm going to respond to it privately. Uh, I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, it's what I would love to do. And, uh, and getting there from here is very, very, very difficult. Um, uh, bet the farm on this. But uh, it really is uh, at least two full-time jobs, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm doing my best. But yeah, man, 100%. 100% is, is exactly right. Okay, let's uh, go to Facebook. Let's see what we got. Well, that question deserves answering. 5708 Riviera, how does Natasha feel at this moment? She feels terrible. How do you think she feels? I didn't mean to be flip. I didn't mean to sound sarcastic. But seriously, she feels awful. She called me. She was in Florida for a day or two when she got the news for, down there for three days and uh, woke me up in the morning and just crying you know just, just all of her friends are so ashamed all of them are so mortified watching this news she's just looking at all this stuff and she's saying he didn't ask me if i wanted to go to war with ukraine i said no he did not and and uh justin trudeau didn't ask the the, the people who delivered his food whether they wanted to have their money um uh taken away from him it's the it's it's the it's the leaders they're at war with the people they're just at war with their people. Uh, our government's at war with us and and lying through their teeth. And there is no media, which means we have to try and push this message out. The Russian people, put aside the, the, the apparently 4,000 some dead Russian soldiers, when you look at these guys, they're, they're clearly, well, they're all conscripts for one thing, but, but to say that they, to say that to tell them that they are going on maneuvers and then send them to war—I've never heard of such a thing, honestly. I really, I really haven't. Um, and uh, and maybe that's why they're underperforming so badly. I mean, what are we six, five, six days into this now? They still haven't taken a city. And in fact, uh, I saw a video of them what looked like what appeared to be small uh, cluster bombs in the northern city, which is one of the most pro-Russian cities. And they were expecting flowers, and they end up people shooting back at them. But the one thing is, um, th there's one thing uh, from um, oh, coffee aficionado. Uh, good to see it. Um, the 
there's a uh, a story I saw as a Ukrainian minister. Now, this could be propaganda, but frankly, I don't think Ukraine needs to be inventing things. Basically, showed some screen grabs from a text message that this that this Russian soldier had with his mom, and, and said, basically. Mama, don't worry about me. I'm going to Crimea for maneuvers. And then he texts her. He says, my God, we're in Ukraine. And, 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 and now we're inside Ukraine and everybody hates us and everybody's shooting at us. And, and, and then next thing you know, this kid is killed. He's dead now. And, um, and I saw a video of a Russian soldier sitting on a, on a doorstep surrounded by five or six Ukrainian people. They weren't hitting him. They weren't beating him. They weren't doing anything. They were just basically telling him, you're here murdering our, our, our folks. And this Russian soldier is just sitting there crying. He's got his hands over his ears like this. This is not... This is... I don't know what... I. I again, I just come back to this bubble that Putin lives in. Look, the guy... Here, here's the thing about Putin, right? He essentially grew up not only in the Soviet Union, but he was he was part of what they used to call the organs, the organs of state security. He grew up in the KGB. He wants the Soviet Union back. He wants the pride back. He believes all of the stuff he's been told about people. He looks at the West and he sees nothing but trans um, secretaries, you know, uh, looking fabulous in the White House now. He knows that Donald Trump loves his country and, and is unpredictable and has already used military force effectively, so he's going he's gonna to sleep that one off. And now he, he believes this stuff. He believes that, that the Ukrainian people are, are, are begging for you know, Russia to come back and rescue them from these, these traitors. I have, um, I have a perspective on, on the Ukraine from Russia, which was, I mean, it doesn't justify it. It doesn't, and it and it wasn't intended to justify it. But but if I get this right, many Russians prior to this invasion felt I I've been thinking about the best way to put this, and the only way I can really think of it is is that Russia feels like Ukraine is like a kid brother that has gone out and taken all the family silverware and sold it so he can go out and do drugs. That's the general vibe I get. That that it's a that it is a a a, a wayward um, child that uh, that selfishly took all of these resources that the Soviet Union poured into it, and then when all of this stuff had been built and paid for by the Russians, this is the perspective that I that I often get. Then they just decided to bolt and 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 go defect to the to the enemy to go basically out there and and throw stones at the house that um, that they had been um, that the Russians have been trying to protect themselves from. It's not um, it's not possible. Uh, the um, it's not possible for us to understand the psychological need for, for buffer states when your country has been invaded for your entire history by Swedes of all people. Huge wars with Swedes, Russians, been invaded by the, by the Mongols, they've been invaded by the Japanese, they've been invaded by the Chinese, they've been invaded by the French, they've been invaded by the Nazis. 
You lose 20 million civilians and 20 million s servicemen in living memory, including my wife's uh, grandfather, who was killed in the first two or three days of, of the German invasion of, of the Soviet Union. Just a kid was out there, dead, three days into the, into the fight. So all of that stuff doesn't go away. And they want those buffer states because they've been invaded so many times that they expect they're going to get invaded again. And like we cannot understand them, they cannot understand us either. They cannot understand that we don't want to invade Russia. We have no interest in invading Russia or Poland or any of the rest of these things for that matter. We never have. All of the military actions that we've taken against the, the, the Soviet client states were taken as a result of actions started by the Russians. Right? The Russians, in, the Russians cut off Berlin. In the very beginning of the Cold War, they basically cut off Berlin. They violated their, the, the treaties that we had from Potsdam Conference. They just broke their word and just took it. So we go in there and start flying supplies in. So we get the Berlin airlift, and there we go. Now you've got East Germany and, and all this other stuff, and then they invade uh, Hungary, they invade Czechoslovakia, they invade Poland. The, the, the communists in North Korea invade the South with Russian blessing and weapons. The communists in North Vietnam invade the South with the same thing. And, and they don't know why everybody is, is forming this gang against them. They don't understand why there are all these military bases surrounding Russia. They can't figure it out. And, and it's, it's just, and, and we don't have people on our end with the exception of Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump who are smart enough to understand this. I think probably uh, Eisenhower might have understood it and I think Truman probably did too. But no, no, what, what, you know, it's just, I don't know. I'm hoping it's this, this, this is hard for me and it's a hundred times harder for my wife. It's hard to root against the Russians, but they're in the wrong. Uh, and so th th there's no two ways around that and everybody knows it and that's why uh, my wife is so traumatized and all the Russians that I know and that she knows that are outside of this Russia are, are mortified, ashamed embarrassed, uh, sad, guilty, all of these things. Um, they didn't do it. I heard the UN, I'm sorry, the EU representative basically say, um, we know that the Russian, the th first words out of her mouth was that the Russian people didn't ask for this war. They certainly did not. In fact, I don't think the soldiers even knew they were going. Um, and so my hope is that Ukraine hangs on and, and when it's clear that the best case scenario, because this is the best case scenario, Putin might be able to put enough force into that country to take Kiev. He might be able to capture the president of the Ukraine. He might be able to do all of those things. But if he thinks that this is just going to be, if, if, if he does all of those things, Ukraine is going to make Chechnya look like a picnic. So my hope is that is that this is the end of Putin because Putin has has built back Russian military but he's destroyed his country he's destroyed it, it, it even when even before the conflicts even before he went into Georgia 
he has destroyed the country. I, I, Natasha and I talk about this quite a lot. She says there's no, there's no business in Russia. It's just oil and gas. That's all. There are no small businesses. And whatever small businesses there were were put down by the sanctions back in 2008. Um, so uh, where, where are all these small businesses? Well, they're, they're, you, you can't make a small business in Russia unless you pay the people. The stories she's told me um, are, are just, you know, astonishing. There's a, uh, Natasha has a connection to somebody who, um, of all things, was a, was a highly, highly respected uh, reviewer, like a restaurant reviewer. And he specialized in, in reviewing vodka. He was a vodka specialist. And he would, he would basically rank different vodkas and so on. And there was a, there was a Russian vodka that was extraordinarily good. I don't remember the name of it right now. Extraordinarily good. And basically, one day, there's a knock on the door, and in come some government guys, local friends of Vlad in that area, and they say, we're running the factory now. Well, no, yeah, we're running the factory now. And it's that old thing, you can have the lead or the gold, which one do you want? So they took uh, the gold, and I don't blame them. So the management of this vodka distillery leaves. The new guys come in, and in order to, to squeeze all of the money they can out of it, they use absolute garbage ingredients, and they don't do it right, and they don't care. They, they cut corners everywhere. And over the course of a year or two, this, this brand that had a re remarkable reputation for excellence suddenly becomes crap. And the people who did it know that. They squeezed all the money they could get out of it. And then when they left, they left it in ruins. Kind of like progressives. Everything they touch turns to smoldering ash. And then they go find something else to ruin and squeeze all the life out of. And then they'll go find something else to do that too. It's a disease. It's a disease. And, um, and so that's what happens to businesses. Another story I like very much, true story, that my wife told me because I think this is it. Yeah, sounds like Disney. Well said, Tiki Rocket. Exactly like Disney, yes. There was a guy who had a, a chicken farm, a big one, an, an, an industrial chicken farm. And I think it was somebody from Iran, not 100% sure, but virtually positive it was somebody from Iran, discovered that he was raising these chickens in halal fashion, you know, in a way that that met the religious requirements of um, the Iranians. And so they basically made him astonishing offer, not to buy the thing, but they want, not to buy the company. They, had a, they, they wanted to order a lot of chickens, like a lot of chickens, a lot of chickens. And the guy turned him down. And he turned him down because he said that right now we are carefully calibrated to be just as big as we can be to be still too small for the for the oligarchy to worry about. If we get any bigger and do any more money, then 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 we're going to get the knock on the door, and then government guys are going to are going to ring the bell. But um, right now we're just as big as we can get without without bringing down the 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 boom. So that's what he did. Good for him. I don't blame him. Um, and uh, yeah, 
they just California. California is a wonderland. It's just it's just the most beautiful place in the world. And and not only that, but it created everything. You know, all of the flight testing happened at Edwards Air Force Base. All of these aviation companies were in Southern California. Beach Boys were playing on the radio. We had this incredible agriculture. Ronald Reagan was governor. The state had a surplus. There was actually such a thing as free college in California when Reagan was a, was governor. If you were a Californian, you could go to college for free because there's no free anything. But what it meant was California was actually running a surplus and that surplus went to pay the university so you could go to school in California, go to college without having to pay anything. And all of that wealth and all of that money, all of that opportunity, all of that experience, imagination, invention, guts, all of it created this paradise. And then in walks the left and they just sucked the life out of all of it. And they just keep doing it. it it's, like the, it's like the salt vampire. They just keep taking and taking and taking and destroying and destroying and destroying until there's absolutely nothing left, till it's a dried out husk, and then they go someplace else. And if they weren't masters of psychology, and if we weren't good people, they wouldn't get away with it. And I don't know how much those two, two I know that the psychology is predicated on the, the decency of people. That's what, that's what all of this stuff is about. That's what the whole trans thing is about. It plays on people's sympathy, plays on people's um, sense of fair play, uh, all of this stuff. And, and uh, you know, why don't we secure our border? Well, because, you know, these are poor people and, and, and they're poor people coming up and, and we're rich and we got all this stuff. So what, who are we to say that we that we own this country? Who are we to say that we should keep all the nice stuff? You know, this is what this is what they've convinced us to, to believe. Um, I'm not familiar with that, uh, Marusha. No. So. You know, in, I did the research on this a while ago, and I don't know if it was as late as the 70s or 80s, but without question in the 60s, and probably into the 70s, maybe even the 80s, if you looked at the, the countries that sent the most immigrants to the United States, it was something like number one, Canada, number two, Britain, number three, uh, Germany, number four, Norway, number five, Sweden, all of this stuff. And... The left says, oh, those are all just white people. Well, maybe. They're also countries that have our same value set, and there are countries that work. Now, if you look at it, it's Mexico, Colombia, Bolivia. Around you go. People who, people who don't speak the language or have the culture. Now, let me be clear about this. I am in favor of any legal immigrants into this country. Anybody from any legal immigrants into this country, I am 100% okay with that. Um, but what I'm not okay with is the idea of only allowing people into the country who don't share the same culture. It's basically, you know, they, they use the, the plaque on the Statue of Liberty against us, you know, to give us your poor, your tired masses, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. But it doesn't say, give us only those people. Um, so, you know, there you go. We're, Europe is, is being 
Europe is. Um, I'll just I'll just say this: if I moved to Japan, I would not expect the Japanese people to learn to speak English, and I would not expect them to all have forks in the restaurants in place of uh, chopsticks or whatever. And if I moved to India, I wouldn't legislate for hamburgers if the people of India found that to be against their religion, because I'm a guest in their in their house, you see. And if I wanted to move there, the reason I would want to move there was because I liked it there better than it is here. And so why would I go over there and 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 screw that up? didn't get to the Facebook questions. I, I think I think on Thursday I'll just start with Facebook. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot more member questions between now and then. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm done. So, um, yeah, it's an absolute mystery, isn't it? No one can figure out any of this stuff. It's just absolute mystery. Well, I think the people, um, I think the people are are going to win this one. I I just don't think, uh, like I said in um, the deep state circuses, the their their main advantage is their invisibility, is their stealth. That's their main advantage, and they've been flushed out into the open. So at least now we can see not only can see that can not only see where they are, we can see that they're actually there. Because prior to this, you could make the case, no, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's just in your imagination. Okay. Uh, but, um, but it's there. I hope the Canadians pull every single dollar they have out of the Canadian banking system. And I think Americans should be thinking about doing the same. I think we basically are at the point now where it's like, okay, um, take all your money out in cash buried in the backyard and anytime you need to send money or deal with anything like that take a couple hundred bucks out deposit it in the bank send it out through the financial system and and do it that way they have no one to blame but themselves uh, the um 30,000 billion dollars that we owe is never going to be paid back. And this is when I began to realize, no, there's something something very, very, very big going on behind the scenes here. It will never be paid back. Not in the way we understand it. Right? We're going to run surpluses, enough surpluses to generate 30 thousand billion dollars of surpluses and pay this debt off not a chance not a chance the debt is never going to go down never it's going to just keep getting bigger so why haven't they pulled the plug already when you're when you're when you're that kind of when you're 30 trillion dollars in debt why why not pull a plug why not have consequences well i think it's because on some level What's 30 million million? Thanks. Um, on some level, 
money doesn't mean money it's not just money it's it's not just money it th there's something fundamentally happening and it's got to do with these reptiles and tech and fourth industrial revolution and all the rest and 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 klaus um schwab saying things like uh no one will own anything and everyone will be happy i think that's really the strategy i really do i think the strategy is yeah of course you can have your streaming netflix for 28 20 bucks a month of course no of course you can of course you do all this stuff you just keep working and um and and it won't go away we're, we're not going to crash the system we're just going to make sure that as time goes on you won't own anything and when you hear him say that well nobody will own anything and everybody will be happy well somebody will own it right somebody somebody will own it uh, Dinesh D'Souza in the opening of his uh, book I think it was the book about Hillary when he wrote when he was in prison because uh, he made a movie criticizing Hillary Clinton but he opens this book by saying, and I interviewed him, he's a great guy, Dinesh, he's a great, great guy. And, and he opens his book by saying, if you're a thief, if, you're, if your mind turns to larceny, and you want to steal something, what is the most valuable thing in the world? If you're going to steal something, you might as well just stop dicking around, right? What is the most valuable thing you can take it's an interesting question and i didn't know the answer to that and he said well in terms of categories the most valuable thing on planet earth today and uh, obviously today and by far throughout human history the most valuable thing in the world is the private property owned by american citizens it's 72 trillion dollars it's probably closer to 80 now 80 trillion dollars is what the private property owned by americans comes out to and so if you're going to steal something why not steal the most expensive stuff there is so um what they'll do is they'll build up this debt and then one or two things will happen either They'll, there'll be a short-term crash, at which point they'll come in and ride to the rescue and say, hey, we're going to solve all of this, don't worry, we'll have one currency and all the rest of it. Or we won't even get to that point. We'll just continue. You know, sometimes it's the smallest, smallest little things that show you what the big things are. And here's the small little thing that I think is the exact model of the future. Used to be when you were on iTunes, you could buy a song. You would pay $1.99 or whatever, and you'd download that song. You couldn't copy it, and that's appropriate because copyright law is copyright law, but it was your, it was your song, and it, you paid for it, and it's on your, on your device. Don't do that anymore. Now you pay a monthly fee, and you get all the music you want to, but you don't own any of it. And this is the model for what they're trying to do, I think. They're just gonna. They're just gonna continue to do this. This uh, one of the one of the side effects, and probably the side effect, aside from interfering with the election and all the rest of it. But the main reason that this pandemic is continuing is because 
if a small business is asked to go without revenues for two years, it can't. It, it, it's done. You're out of business. You're gone. If you ask um, a large company to go without revenues for two years, then they'll just fire a bunch of people. They've got the resources. The executives are not going to suffer. Just lay off whatever people we have to, ride it out. So basically, the, um, the, the, the net effect of the pandemic, when you hear about all these businesses closing, going out of business, we think it's a catastrophe. They think everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. That's the purpose. So saw somebody, I think might have been at PragerU, said that about half of the private property in this country is owned by, or maybe it was half of the income or half of the GDP, maybe it's half the GDP. Half of the GDP is produced by millions and millions of small businesses like this one. And the other half is produced by 20,000 large businesses. And which one do you think is easier to control, you know? Why do these, why does Gillette make a woke commercial? Why does, why, why does the NFL do it? Why does it, why do they shoot themselves in the foot? There's something, there's something going on. And corn subsidies, yeah, exactly, right? And, and somebody's talking about the cloud, like cloud computing. Yes, yes, we're being convenienced into oblivion and, and obsolescence. That's it. It's like cloud computing, great. I don't have to download stuff. No, no, it's constantly talking everything. And now all your devices share stuff and it's great. You got it on your iPhone, you also have it on your iPad and you're, you're fantastic, that's grand. And it goes up there and, and then Anybody who wants to look at it gets to look at whatever they want to. Um, yeah, and 570, 5708 Riviera said something. You know, it was not, I don't think it was more than three, four years ago. It was, it was four or five years ago, maybe tops, that somebody pointed out to me that, um, that, you, that you do not own your house. I said, well, I don't own a house, but I'm renting a house, but... Do, do, but what do you mean you don't own a house? It's like you've got your mortgage, right? Yes, and it's paid in full. Yes, and you have the title to your house. Yes, right, exactly. It's my house. Said, no, it's not. It's not your house. You don't own that house. You are renting that house for the government. You're renting that house from the government because, and the rent is your property taxes, because if you stop paying that rent, then they take your house away. It's their house. And I'd never thought about it that way before. I never thought about it with that kind of clarity. But that's exactly what it is. If you own your house, you own the right to rent your house from the government. And, uh, and your kids will not inherit the house. Your kids will inherit the right to rent the house from the government. Because if you don't pay those taxes, sooner or later, you're gonna lose the house. Sometimes I wonder if all of this is just worrying about stuff the same way that people worried about the end of the, you know, horse-drawn cart and, and whale bone and, you know, all of this other kind of Luddite thing. It's just a new way of doing things, Bill. Um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is all old-fashioned. 
maybe uh, maybe this will be better. I mean, who can say, right? If you'll be happy, you'll have all the things you want. You'll have all the comforts you want to. Who cares if you own it or not? What difference does it make? But um, we did the virtue signal last week. Um, and uh, one of the questions came from a member, and it was talking about Regulus, a Roman consul who was captured by the Carthaginians. And the Carthaginians basically said to him, we want you to go back to Rome and we want you to be, we want you to go and basically sell Carthage. Go back to the, go back to the Roman Senate and we'll release you, but you must promise to go back to Rome and, and basically argue in favor of Carthage. If you don't do that, then you've got to promise to come back here. You're giving us your word that you're going to go to Rome and argue in favor of Carthage. And if you break your word, then you're honor bound to come back here and face the consequences. So Regulus sails out of Carthage, goes over to Rome. He knows that he's expected to tell them that Carthage is great. He gets in front of the Roman Senate. He says, I've just gotten back from Carthage. Carthage must be destroyed. Carthage is our mortal enemy and they must be destroyed. Okay. So then Regulus gets on a car, not a car. Regulus gets on a boat and sails back to Carthage and he's tortured to death. I forgot what method they used, but it was, it was torturing to death in any fashion is generally not very good. But he was, but he went back to Carthage and was tortured to death, and he went back to Carthage because he said he would. He gave him his word. And the thing about this whole thing that dis, that disturbed me so much was the, the person who submitted this question said that she talks about this example to her seventh grade class, and no one can understand it that no one understands why he would go back. They, it just, it just cannot, they can't, they can't process it. It's, it's, what do you mean he went back? Well, he went back. Well, he knew he was going to be killed, right? Yes. They are the enemy, right? Yes, that, that, that's right, yes. Then why did he go back? Because he said he would, because he gave his word. But they weren't holding hostages or family members or anything. Nope. Nope, he just said he would, and so he did. And he knew he would be killed if he went back, so he went back and they killed him. Quibo too says he should never have gone back, and you can make a case for that. You really can. But if you have an entire, because this is way before the Caesars, if... If you have a society built out of people who will go marching to their death because of their honor, because they, because of their, because keeping a promise is more important to them than their life, if you have an entire society filled with people who would rather die than break their word, then you can have a society where a handshake is as good as a contract, and you don't have to have all the lawyers and all of the courts and all of the lawsuits and all of the prisons. You don't have to have any of that stuff. And uh, I don't know whether he realized that or not. I suspect he probably did. But in any event, um, that's how it worked. People with no Gurner deserve no harm in return. 
maybe. But see, he didn't go back because of the promise he kept to the Carthaginians. He didn't go back because of the Carthaginians. He went back because of himself and also because of what Rome would think of him. He didn't go back for Carthage. He went back for himself. Um, yeah, why walk away from Omelis? Uh, yeah, why indeed? Okay, well, that's the end of the uh, Monday night edition of the Stratosphere Lounge, made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. As always, very grateful. Uh, thanks for keeping things going. And um, we'll be back on uh, back on Thursday with our Thursday schedule. We'll see you then.